This is episode 200. It's just some schmuck named Joe Walsh. Just some guy, <laughs> some loser named Joe Walsh. <laughs> hey, man, it's episode 200. How about that? Tone control. How about it? How about Come it? Come on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, yes, early ding beers. If you crack them, if you got them. I don't. I have some scotch oh, though. That's fine. Uh, it's episode two hundred. We're recording right in the middle of the general chat voice channel, which was renamed ceremoniously yeah. for this <laughs> for this nonsense. Okay, we have a big show, and so let's let's. Get, let's get some let's get some housekeeping out of the way. What what are we doing for episode two hundred that we have been not talking about? In quotes. Oh well, maybe for weeks. Um, hang on. I have this. Okay. I have this. This What's is a box. box this is hundred and sixty-five <laughs> koozies with the tone control on them, baby. <laughs> okay. So we've been and, saying. And on the gifts. bottom, wait, 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 wait. Okay. <laughs> on, the bottom, on the bottom, it says ding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And and hang on, I gotta move this. Um, we've got we got stickers. We got pics. It goes that so way. We a got few picks. days ago, there, you're gonna be making a, hats. You're gonna yeah, be making there, t-shirts. <laughs> there's been um, there's been we've been talking about these care packages we're gonna send out to all the patrons, and um, this so this is what's going on. This is the this is our stealthful reveal. Um, the the patrons are. Uh, is it these been mailed out? No, I guess we still have a box. No, they've not been mailed out. This is this is why you know here, here's a, a seltzer can demonstrating the power <laughs> of the koozie. Um, okay. Yeah, this is why we needed your addresses. So um, send us your stuff. <laughs> Actually, I have all the stuff, so I just need to send them in. But okay. um, yeah, expect these soonish, hopefully. Fantastic, and so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. So there's been all this crap uh, that I was talking about uh, picks. People were leaving picks in my driveway. By the way, no other picks have shown up since then. Um, but we were sending pictures of these piles of picks, and I actually snuck this into that picture <laughs> last week. Uh, yes, and just to see if anybody would notice, zoom in on that. Notice nobody noticed the tone control. Okay, so anyway, we're not that cool, is what it really comes down to. Nobody Honestly, cares. though, like these came out great. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm super excited about them and the much easier to get custom designed and ordered picks than it used to be because we looked into this a yeah. number of years ago and it was like you had to order like a thousand and I was not into uh, that yeah. but now you can order them like by groups of like 25 <laughs> super so so yeah. so uh, patrons on the rolls uh, this month or you know kind of up to this month um, are receiving care packages with that stuff in them and we didn't give them all away so if you want mm-hmm. some and you're not a patron um, get with us and we'll uh, we'll work something out um, thanks everybody for being with us for 200 episodes and it's cool we're saying this all at the beginning because we're about to yeah. bring in a special guest so is there anything else we need to add about that should we do you want to just we were gonna i was gonna thank the patrons yeah thank the patrons and then after that i just have a quick a, a few bullet points of some quick tone control stats for you okay um just quick check for a name change nope no name change yet 
see what happens when I get halfway <laughs> down the list. Uh, so patrons, uh, uh, thank you all so much, uh, the patrons this, this week. Carson Ricketts, Nick Greenwood, Timmy S., Matthew Fenslaw, Ryzen Wolf, Jamie Evans, Jeffrey Wright, Doug King, Doug Gann, Righteous Ryan Johnson, Steve Huffman, Jonas Sabatini, Cindy Clawford still, Andrew Walsh from Andrew's Alcove, OG friend of the show, Brian Rizzi, Doug Christ of 37 Effects, Sean Wright of Lava Gagger Effects, Brian Gower and Kyle McIntyre of the Tone Jerks Podcast. Thank you all ever so much. Right at the top. Yeah, Derek. for real, like this show, to do 200 of anything is a lot. And I'm really... Uh, yeah. Super grateful for everybody who's been supporting the show. It it occurs to me every yeah every time it, it dawns on me we should have started um, a Patreon a lot sooner, but that's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, um, this is a ton of fun, and I uh, I love doing it, and I love that you're here listening. So for episode two hundred, I went back through our old show notes, and I thought okay. This could be fun to just, you know, the early days of the tone control. So the first episode was recorded on August 27th, 2013. Okay. We've been doing this <laughs> when I was for a tiny an baby ex- with no gray hair. <laughs> yeah. And we talked about the TC Electronic Polytune 2, <laughs> of which there's now a third iteration, right? Um, it says in the notes that we were thinking of making it a burner episode, which we did not do. So you can go listen to that. that. Throw it away, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh. Um, in episode That's what wise four, would have done right. In episode four, we talked about the launch of Victory Amps, which is now like an institution. Mm-hmm. In episode five, Strymon released the Big Sky again, something you see everywhere, <laughs> and we were like, "Check it out! Strymon's got a new pedal. It's called the Big Sky." <laughs> uh, episode seven, we talked about Gibson moving to a, a model year format, which is still dumb. <laughs> <laughs> And they said at the time, quote, the new serial numbering system enhances collectability. Still dumb. (laughs) Still garbage. Absolute trash. (laughs) Uh, In episode 10, we talked about the launch of the AxeFX 2 XL and how far we have come since AxeFX 2. My goodness. (laughs) And episode 11, recorded in February of 2014, is when we started with Pedal Genie. So, thanks, thanks to Pedal Genie. Uh, as as always and forever. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I'm going to throw them. Thanks to Pedal Genie for sponsoring the Tone Control. Visit PedalGenie.com and start your wish list today. Uh, now, we're not going to spend any time on pedals, but uh, right. we wouldn't want to neglect the Pedal Genie ad. So we'll take a little break at some point and take care of that and fill the chat with butt gifts, <laughs> as is our way, the song yeah. of my people. I have a little uh, story so, about the Pedal Genie thing for this week, so we'll 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 do the butt okay. gifts during that. How about that? Okay, okay, sounds yeah. good. Uh, without further ado, um, sh- shall we? Yeah. Shall we? Push shall the button. We, shall we? All right, here we go. So, bam. And now uh, there's there a, a three third, of us. A third tone <laughs> controller arrives. Uh, Doug Cower of Cower Guitars, welcome. How are you guys doing? 2013 We're, really was your first one. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, we do every other week. So it's it takes a long time to get to 200, but <laughs> we, we, uh, it's, it's a long time. to you man. guys, man. That's, uh, Thank you. That's a long time. I think we started in, oh, man, now. Not honestly that long before you guys building guitars, uh, like hmm. wow. 2009, 10. So okay. yeah, believe me, I know how long and <laughs> tedious 10, 15 years of the guitar industry is uh, to it's, talk about. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I wanted to go through the notes and I was like, the big sky that's been out forever, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And here we are like, it's so new. Look at all these presets. 
<laughs> the big sky has been out for so long that when I realized there was pedals other than like, you know, a tube screamer, I just assumed the big sky had been out since like the digital age. Like it's been yeah. out that long. Like I didn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad to have you here and talk about guitars and and guitar building. We've had a a bunch of guests over the years, but they've all fallen under either musician or pedal builder. And we've actually never spoken to a guitar builder before. Mm -hmm. Well, you still haven't. (laughs) (laughs) Doug has left the chat. (laughs) But yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm really excited. You're definitely talking to someone who turns things, piles of money into guitar-shaped objects. I don't know if I can put it beyond that. <laughs> well, um, I think that counts. All right. <laughs> uh, well, it's it's great to meet you. And we've been talking for like 10 minutes because of our little setup and, and stuff like sure. that. And then uh, we just cut away. Hi, I'm Justin. Um, I know. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway um, yeah. Welcome. It's it's uh, awesome for you to to have you joining us, and and hope we're gonna have a we're gonna have a real good time here. Derek, um, who is kind of the brains around here, has sourced a lot of awesome questions, and he kept uh, prodding me to add my own questions. Yes. And then we got too many. Definitely and I was would, like, there definitely <laughs> would would have been um, if I could think of any that hadn't already been thought of by uh, either Derek or our lovely audience. Then. Um, well, whatever. Sure. I'm just gonna I'm gonna turn it around. I'm actually really smart. <laughs> I just like to fly from the seat of my pants. So yeah, uh, that's, that's what I right. do. So we put the word out to the listeners and, and to the audience in the Discord and everywhere, mm-hmm. um, to sending questions about guitar building and and about cower and and all that. Um, and sure. for the folks that are in the chat tonight, we want to let you know you can come off mute and ask. Doug, a question yourself, or just like say hey or whatever. Um, to but we have like a hand raising system we, because we, we don't do want it. it. We have to take you off mute. So if you have a question, send a GIF in the chat of someone raising their hand. That's all we need. And then we'll know. We'll tag you when there's a good spot. We'll we'll pull you in. So um, I think I want to start with the questions from the Patreon supporters. Okay. Instead of my questions because they're better than my questions. So uh, First from one, what's Patreon. What's a guitar? <laughs> from We're Patreon supporter guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh from Carson Ricketts, uh a, a few questions. Most guitar body shapes were designed in the 50s and 60s. How do you go about creating something new or improving upon designs for a modern palette while still keeping classic guitar charm, especially when compared sure. to brands like Kiesel or Strandberg that push extremely modern minimalistic design? Well, I mean, certainly that's a design. I mean, that doesn't, you don't have to be tied to 50s designs. Uh, it just happens to be, that's kind of my wheelbase. Uh, I don't have a design background. I actually grew up building cabinets. Um, that's how I was, you know, woodwork my whole life. It's a family and business. And yeah. So that's hard for me to design things that aren't like just squares uh, mm-hmm. or rectangles. <laughs> like like the, the Bow Diddley is my perfect guitar. It is, <laughs> it's yeah. all 90 degrees and yeah, it's, uh, so I don't I don't have a really formal background in it. Um, you know, I when I got started, the first thing I kind of became a cower um, was my Daylighter model, which was like a Jazzmaster meets a Les Paul. So it was a carved top mm-hmm. Jazzmaster, um, and you know, obviously it was my spin on it, but it wasn't my shape. Uh, you know, and it caught on and people really liked it. Um, and I had also built uh, Firebirds. You know, essentially it was kind of the first guitars I learned to build from scratch. Uh, and people caught on that I had built those, uh, you know, and, and so 
you know, I just started there and found ways to kind of make those things my own. And then my sense of design and kind of evolved from there into Starliner. Mm-hmm. And Starliner is kind of funny because I was trying to design a single cut. I've kind of realized after, I mean, one upside to building guitars is now that we're at like 1,300 guitars. I've had a lot of examples to see what I like and don't like. And I kind mm-hmm. of realized I'm a single cut guy at heart. So mm-hmm. the original design that I had when I was trying to make a single cut, uh, I just drew it and drew it and messed with it and fought it and just never, like, I think we made three of them as prototypes and I never quite congealed with the design. And then I finally was like, ah, I give up. And I deleted everything and I just started from scratch. And then Starliner came in like 15 minutes. Like it was like, like really? that. That's and, funny. Yeah. And huh. yeah. And, and so, and originally the Starliner was a carved top. Um, hmm. You know, there's a whole thing about that. I can get into in a minute, but uh yeah, it just kind of came, that one came together. And so, you know, I've been banging that one pretty hard. I, I feel like uh, I'm kind of like the, well, I don't know, pulling the PRS page here. I'll take that one shape and figure out how to make a thousand versions of it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's my yeah, thing. It's a good and, shape. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it, it works really well. And it, it solves some, the carved top versions solve a lot of, the, like, to me, issues with Les Pauls. The, the, the waist is too narrow. The neck axis is too blocky. Uh, a lot of that stuff. So that kind of went away. Um, it seems like, you know, we started, like, like I said, 2008, 2009 full time. Yeah. Like the carve tops kind of ran their course between Daylighter and uh, Starliner. And then people just kind of bought the flat tops more to, and to the point where uh, we just stopped doing the carve tops because frankly, they were paying the butt and I was happy to stop. Mm. Um, <laughs> but Starliner's, the carve top models, the standard of the semi hollow. They're so good. They're still technically on the secret menu on the website. And uh, I can tell you guys right now how old you will be if you can find my secret symbol that's on the website oh, at the I very bottom. Found it. Yeah. I found it. Yeah. I was doing oh, plenty of guitar research and I was like, what is this? What are you telling me, Doug? Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. Ah. My throwback to technologically accurate classic 90s movie, The Net. Uh, where every website <laughs> is completely accessible with a key uh, yeah. uh, with the icon right on the fucking front page of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I still do the carved tops. We actually have a few of them on order right now. Surprise. It's kind of nice to see that they're, you know, people who know about them still get them. Uh, I think actually oh, yeah. the, the carved top semi hollow is still the best sounding guitar I make. Um, hmm. I have one that you will bury me with. It is of all the stuff I own. It is just phenomenal. That's awesome. Uh, and it's, so it's, it's, it's the interesting. Wrong neck profile and the neck length <laughs> angle is too low. And like all these things that I normally wouldn't like, it is so good. Uh, it's interesting. So. It's like, I did not even think about the relationship between carved top and flat top. And when you think about mm-hmm. guitar design, you're always like normal idiots like me think about two dimensions and you just think about the silhouette of that shape. Yep. Yeah. And sure. The carved top, like obviously there is there is depth to this thing. And, and how do you decide on like, the the angle of that carve and like whether it's yep. got a tummy cut or an arm carve or if it's an entirely carved top sure is like a whole part of this i never considered before this very yep. moment <laughs> well, well the funny thing too is you know when i came into doing this i didn't know there was a boutique guitar market i didn't know i'd never owned a less real less ball in my life i never mm-hmm. you know, i couldn't afford one like and so a lot of things that have become our thing kind of happened by accident like um so I, I I learned how to draw 
in AutoCAD two-dimensionally my senior year of high school to avoid taking calculus, I could take AutoCAD. And I was, (laughs) that worked out great for me. Um, (laughs) Way more than calculus would have worked out for me, to be honest. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, and we, we had gotten our first CNC around the same time. So like the first daylight or carve top, I had to draw the carving program. Um, Like if you, like if you look at a topographical map, like it, imagine yeah. that, right? Like, so I would layers. be, I, yeah, I drew the lines, you know, like I off started at the center and offset myself out like every, you know, three millimeters. And then I kind of mm-hmm. on a graph paper drew the cross section I wanted and then went, okay, this line has to be zero and then point two deep and then point four deep. And then, but what it ended up happening is I didn't put enough in there for like the recarve you would traditionally see on like a Les Paul mm-hmm. or something. And after I had sanded it out, it had just kind of become more of a bevel carve, um, like a real long kind of, you know, it flattens a little bit, but it doesn't have like the low valley that a, a yeah, uh, the deep dish sort of look. Yeah. And I ended up really liking that because what I found ultimately was that recarve basically, actually, now that I'm on video, I can do it for once. I can yeah. show you with all my Italianisms, you know, it makes the top <laughs> essentially kind of come back up at the end which makes the uh, end of the top feel sharp. Uh, so mm-hmm. the bevel carve kind of feels just more like a normal armrest uh, or arm cut. Uh, and it just kind of became our thing with Daylighter. So like the Starliner carve top has that too. Um, you know, the the three-line logo that's in our Trust Rock covers, that's because the very first thing I ever made, I screwed it up and I hit the chambers in the back and decided to plug it by putting maple in instead and it formed this little, I don't know, running man, kind of is what we call it, logo. Uh, and it's just a little dumb detail that's made it on everything, you know, at least every, almost everything we make. <laughs> that's, um, awesome. that's awesome. It's actually, it. yeah. And then, so there's a lot of that stuff. And then, you know, yeah, I, I grew up building cars from the sixties, like, you know, and, and then oddly eighties bubbles, I like weird tastes and that kind of stuff. And, and so <laughs> I'm sure that that all kind of confluxes in and, and, uh, you know, Starliner, Corona, the re- Banshee version 2.0, though obviously that's still fairly, you know, uh, Firebird mm-hmm. E, but it's our version of it. It's our shape. It is legally with Gibson agreed upon that it is our thing. Uh, okay, Corona, so like, I, w- I want to jump ship here and, and talk about that for sure. a second because that is a follow-up <laughs> question. Yeah. Um, when, yeah, when, when the, uh, what was it play authentic when that happened and like Mark <laughs> Agnesi was at gunpoint or something like, yeah, that was such an awkward moment. And then <laughs> I, I look at moment. it was so stupid and such a bummer and so threatening and uncomfortable. Uh, and, and so I look at it the did guitar play into like, my whole character. Cause a little background on me, I'm the guy who, <laughs> who, who holds just, the gun. I just, I just re- No, I, I, I rag on Gibson all that. Like it's, they make it so easy. That's basically my job on this podcast <laughs> is to make it's so bad that when we did our April Fools episode I did a I played the version of me who thinks Fender is about to lose to Gibson <laughs> and I seriously like there were so many swear words going off in the chat that people's phones all started freaking out and people started coming into chat going what's yeah. going on in there because everyone was yelling at me. So anyway, yeah, so I was look at the guitar like I look at something like the Banshee though, mm-hmm. and and like if if you're gonna buy a Firebird type guitar, th- that's on the short list for sure. Like Gibson is not on really the list anymore, and and that's yeah. that's really interesting <laughs> for me, I yeah. guess. Like like these are fucking awesome, and well, it's kind you. of the Firebird you need, right? So yeah, tell me like, yep. have they approached you? Have they said anything? Oh yeah, about- no, we had a whole okay. we had a whole thing. So okay, 
fancy, like I said, dates back to before I was building guitars for a living when I was just doing it for fun. Um, mm-hmm. And I should say it wasn't a banshee back then. They were Firebird copies. They were, you know, I, I found the drawings online and uh, <laughs> that's a good gift. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm new to Discord, so this is going to distract me, but I'm going to laugh every time. Oh, yeah. That's uh, what we do. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, I do have a great meme to drop that uh, something that happened today, I'll drop it in the chat at some point. But, uh, okay. uh, but anyway, so. You know, I built them. They were, they're, they're okay. There should be, I should make a distinction. There are two versions of the reverse Gibson Firebird. There yeah. is the original 63 to 65, and then there's the modern Firebird. They are not the same shape. They are close, but they are not quite the same. Um, so the one I was building was basically a copy of the current Firebird. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I refused to do them for a long time for people. And, you know, People caught wind and, you know, you were starting off. Every, unfortunately, you see this with a lot of companies. That's why you see a lot of people make a Telecaster or Strat, right? Oh, yeah. It's easier to sell something yeah. that's familiar. Um, and already successful. Pe- yeah. So people had kind of caught on that I had made those Firebirds for myself. And so we started doing a few and then it kind of became a thing. And then, you know, then we started picking up artists because we because I wasn't locked in on necessarily tradition. We had made some fundamental changes that Gibson can't. So I scarf joint the headstock. That was also, mm. I mean, I knew that was a weak point with Firebird, but it also was kind of dictated about how my machines work and how, you know, and, and there's, uh, so to do the headstock with the detail I needed to do, I wanted to make that piece flat on the machine and then glue it in. And a scarf joint would let me do that. Yeah. The upside to that, that I didn't realize at the time until I started building a few is if I went through the shop, uh, when I brought material in and I found the lightest pieces of wood, I could use that just for headstocks, no matter what, if they were color matches or not. You know, a lot of times it didn't matter because they're getting painted solid color. But if they're mm-hmm. light, I can put the lightest piece of the mahogany on the headstock end of that neck, which you can't do if you don't scarf joint the neck. And I can put the heaviest pieces on the wings. And that drastically shifts the balance back to where it should be on those right, guitars. They, so they, that makes it, firebirds okay. dive like crazy. They yeah. they do, uh, yeah. they so that helps a lot. Um, and we have to use the banjo tuners uh, currently. Getting rid of the metal buttons and putting plastic on also helps quite a bit. That's one thing that if you had a firebird yeah. with that issue, just doing that helps. Uh, yeah. But you know, we we could put that kind of stuff in. So what ended up ultimately happening is people had started catching wind, and like Walter Becker was a guy like this. Walter wanted to buy a 64 Firebird 7 that was at like, uh, you know, Rudy's or some shit in New York. Yeah. And his road guy, Night Bob, who is a whole other amazing conversation. Night Bob's the coolest dude ever. Uh, <laughs> Night Bob, sorry, slight diversion. Night Bob is this, he's like this guy that everybody knows. And the reason everybody knows him is because he was the night shift Bob. There was two Bobs at the studio the night Bob worked at, who was the night shift <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah. And it happened to be the studio Aerosmith cut their first album in. Oh, uh, sure, so sure. night awesome. Bob ends up being like an institution with these guys and ends up, you know, so he's Walter's tour manager, yeah. guitar awesome. guru, you know, knows everybody. Yeah. And, and so he was friends with a, a dealer of ours that we were doing business with, uh, who had just started doing banshees at the time. And well, you know, Walt night Bob told Walter's like, you know, for the price of that seven, you could buy two of these cowers. And A, if you mm. did break it on the road, <laughs> you wouldn't be as heartbroken. But two, I think these things are better built. Um, mm. And so we kind of got this reputation for building a, 
I won't say invincible because we have had some banshees that have been just destroyed. Um, but well, it takes a lot of a effort. Better Firebird, yeah, yeah. It's but made, it's a much more roadworthy <laughs> guitar. And then, so fast forward over three or four or five years, and then we have you know Walter Becker, Scott Holiday, um, you know, kind of this growing mm-hmm. reputation. Uh, you know, a handful of, of artists playing them, and ultimately, what happened? I think this is a little conjecture because I, I knew. Gibson knew about us for a long time. And I know this because the custom shop sent anyone who wanted a left-handed Firebird to me. They didn't want to build them. Uh, <laughs> so for a long time, they knew about me. That does it right uh, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It's the whole thing. So, uh, but ultimately I think what happened is Gibson sent out a film crew. Now this is before the, the CEO changeover, before the ownership change. Yeah. Um, and they sent a road crew out, film crew out to film Scott Holiday, and uh, when they were in Europe, and they had Scott come out to the Gibson showroom in Europe, and they spent all day trying to get Scott to be a Gibson artist. And Scott didn't want to be anybody specific; he wanted to be able to play what he wants to play, uh, sure. art, my stuff, Gretsch, whatever, you know. And, and he mm-hmm. loves his Gibsons. I mean, he's got that Blue Firebird, and he's got a uh, the SG Double Neck and stuff. He's got good stuff. But he just and, and Walter is like that. A lot of artists are like that. Gibson is. A lot of the big companies that won't single Gibson out can be a little overbearing on the, you know, if you're going to be an artist of ours, the whole band plays our stuff, then, you know. Sure. And so some people just don't want to do that. So he turned them down, and then they sent a film crew the next day to the festival they were playing. I think it's still on YouTube. There's a video that is, you know, day of the life of a Gibson artist, Scott Holiday. All the guitars are mine. (laughs) Not as Firebird. Yeah, they're all mine. It's pretty awesome. That is uh, awesome. It's average. Yeah, and so that <laughs> happened, and then a couple days later, they had like a, a concert they had filmed in Sweden um, that had that had aired on. I think it was Palladia was the like the cable like the what MTV used to be kind of music station mm, we all okay. had for a little bit. And there's a lot of footage of it was only only had one guitar of ours at the time, but there's a lot of footage where on those early, version one banshees, our name was on the back, and so. You can read our name because it's stopped from behind. Um, uh, so I think yeah. those were the those were the two things there. Um, so, so we got you mentioned. This, oh, go ahead. Oh no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say you mentioned that it's like legally your design, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So that version was not, but okay. So we got we got a cease and desist, and I was kind of thrilled to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I. I <laughs> I, I was, yeah. Well, ironically, yeah. if they had sent it maybe three years earlier, we wouldn't have been, we would just would have stopped. That would have been the end of it. By the time they uh, sent it though, they were 50, 60% of my sales. And I'm like, eh, I think I'm going to fight for this a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So we immediately pulled it off the website, closed the orders, didn't have, you know, canceled anybody's orders that were pending, which luckily at the time wasn't very many. Um, it was mostly dealer stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I could finally legally be forced to redesign that guitar to be what I wanted it to be. And that it's kind of a weird thing, but if I hadn't had the cease and desist and just had redesigned it, no one would buy it. Uh, But when I can legally, when I can say I legally cannot sell you the other version, I can't do it. I will not do it. I don't want to do it. Eventually people kind of came around to the new one being much better. So it's, Mm -hmm. It, it's funny. So when you look at those early actual 60s, you know, 64 to 66, whatever, 
Firebirds, they're a little different looking. So there is a little bit of elements that inspire the newer version. Um, honestly, I kind of see a little bit of the RD in the newer, the current version, but it's, I could redesign it in a way that put mass where I wanted to put it, where I, uh, <laughs> good in the chat again. Uh, I did take it personally. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I could move the mass around my guitar where I want. I could fix stupid little things like, just spacing the controls like another half an inch apart, uh, further apart from each other. Yeah, I noticed makes a, spacing different. Yeah, yeah, makes a world of difference when you're trying to wire those things. And then we also like started. Quality of you're life not stuff. even talking about playing the guitar. That's the thing. Yeah. you think he's going to go? Oh, it's going to feel so great with the knobs no. in a different. He's like, no, no, no. Screw you. I yeah, have an easier my time. life is easier. <laughs> well, and, and anyone who's a tech on the road who yeah. has to fix one of these things is yeah. very ha- noticeable about it. Uh, you know, and, and it does like, well, and okay. If you like speed knobs, you cannot put speed knobs on a Gibson Firebird. They are way too tight to each other. You can't fit. Mm, I mean, yeah. I don't have huge fingers, but I, you can't fit them between it. So you can't get your fingers little, between them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That little extra room. I don't like speed knobs, but at least, okay, now that's an option now. And then, you know, so the, the thing with copyright law is it's a couple different things, three different things really that we had to jump through. One, the thing that ultimately saved my butt was when I had first started selling Banshee version one, I had a dated stamped, I mean, a, a, a chain of emails with our trademark lawyer. And we had looked, there was no trademark on the name. There was no trademark on the shape. There was no trademark filed on the headstock. There was nothing. There was zero trademarks on a Firebird. I actually, <laughs> in that email chain, joked, maybe we should trademark the name Firebird, LOL. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, which yeah. like when like the guy want, who bought the Google.com URL when it went up for renewal. Yeah, or Adam <laughs> from Satellite Amps buying the Coronet trademark, right? Uh, and then having that whole thing. Yeah, that's the whole. Uh, ironically, Adam and I have the same lawyer. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you. Crazy. So that's your fault then. I should have bought the name. I should. <laughs> oh man, could you imagine? Um, oh god. Or really, when it worse. I don't know which, but anyway. So I had at something. least been able to establish <laughs> that when we started to have to get a little bit more serious with Gibson, when they were kind of, we were going back and forth, Hey man, uh, you didn't file shit on this thing. And yeah. you guys set the legal precedent that if you don't file tough shit, right? Yeah. Uh, follow your own right. rules here. And yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so what had happened is ultimately when they came after us is because having learned their lesson with PRS, uh, Gibson has filed very bland, like very vague trademarks on anything and everything, Broad. shapes, names, details, mm-hmm. logos, all of it. And so we were in kind of that grouping of like, we could have, if we had the fiscal resources, or let me rephrase it, if I wanted to dedicate the fiscal resources, mm-hmm. um, so we could have fought that and kept that trademark from going through. And ultimately, what had happened was we kind of threatened to do just that. Uh, that we had the you know legal standing to do that. So, so that was part of it. The second part was, in order to be a trademark violation, obviously you you cannot you have to show that you cannot easily pass it as the real thing. Yeah, or, or right. I heard there's trademark. like a, a confusion of the the consumer, right? If a consumer yeah. cannot so tell the difference, yeah. Right. So it's not just that. But in our case, the ability to just like okay, if we built a flying V that was identical. And we put, you know, like a Flying V is a perfect example of this because their logo, Gibson's name, is on the truss rod cover. 
So if you go buy an Epiphone Flying V and put a Gibson truss rod cover on it, it's damn hard to tell them apart. So mm-hmm. we had to make yeah. changes to our model. <laughs> For a number of reasons. Would re- yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> to require that guitar that you would have to take a jigsaw to it and, you know, do physical changes to it to get it closer to the real thing. Um, that you would yeah. not, that you would fundamentally have to completely destroy that guitar and rebuild it to make it pass as a, as a Gibson. So that's even though it's not really in their trademark, you know, we don't do the trapezoid inlays. We don't do the the bird emblem on the pickguard, which we never use their bird. We use the first gen Pontiac Firebird emblem, uh, mm-hmm. which ironically, Banshee is the original name for Pontiac Firebird. So that's kind of how that whole thing started. Uh-huh. Uh, we don't okay. use a bird on the pickguard. Yeah, the spacing on those controls makes a difference. You would have to plug all those holes and redrill them all, you, you know. All four corners of the guitar are different. It's got a different waistline. It's got a different headstock. It's got a different... So, you know, it's in the family of inspiration, but it is our thing. Yeah. yeah. So I see that you've taken um, a guitar that you made that was sort of an alternative to a Gibson Firebird, and now you've made it something different. Like you said, you, you, you would have struggled to sort of get that out there, so it's actually better for you to differentiate. It squares Gibson off... Yep, they're 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 mm-hmm. done. Goodbye, and and now we have a proper guitar that, even sure. though your original was, ar- you know, argued better by these knowledgeable people yep. for various reasons. Uh, now now we're this is the fully realized version of the better one. So, well, nice. and the funny thing too is we actually like I, I have to have this discussion with new dealers every time. You don't want a banshee that's a sunburst with two firebird minis. Like mm. we we don't do that. That's not first of all, most people don't realize firebirds don't sound that great. They're they not sound what very you weird. That, yeah, they're they look, not they look what you cool as hell, but hard to be. Yeah, yeah they're, 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 they're a, their own thing. They're like a big telecaster. And you think it's yeah. gonna sound like a big explorer, and it doesn't. So we sell mostly yeah. banshees with humbuckers, P90s, and TV Jones, because that's what you want it to be. Um, you know, and then we we do the binding, we do the maple tops now, which I, I love. Uh, you know, we've made that guitar be something that, that decidedly is its own thing. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, so when, and I will say, once we had it resolved with Gibson, I have never had any issues since. I, you know, I have always Good. rooted for those guys. Uh, you know, when the changeover happened, I know a lot of people over there. You know, I, yeah. Everyone was excited. People I knew that worked there was excited. And then the Mark Agnesi video came out and we're like, God. Like they really? were so close. Because this yeah, is the thing. That, I was looking through the show notes and I was like, oh my God, the, they're more affordable this year for the first time. Oh, look, streamlined uh, product lineup. All these things yep. that people wanted. And then they're like, hey, by the way, fuck you. And, and <laughs> yeah. it's, it just landed like, oh God, it was awful. And then of yeah. course it, it gets stripped from the internet. So, you know, they know they fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so I, I, I felt bad most of all for Mark for that because yeah, I, that happened. Like, you know, that guy <laughs> uprooted his life, moved to Nashville for what I think is, I hope is his dream job. Uh, and then mm-hmm. was forced to do that. And like in the first month and you're like, what the fuck? Like, did they brainwash you? Like, there's no way anyone oh, believes dude. this. I, yeah. Has anyone, like, finally, like, counted his eye blinks to see what message in Morse code he was oh blinking out? <laughs> Under uh, duress. Send me back yeah, to Norms, was, yeah. P- yeah. yeah. Some yeah. POW so, stuff. So, gosh. it's frustrating. Because, like, you know, I, don't get me wrong. I mean, I had this discussion on other podcasts. One, I want them to do well. I always do. I don't want them to do poorly. I want people to have their jobs. I want the brand to do well. 
I, when they're doing well, we all do well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I am a fan. I genuinely, there's that little like 1% of me that's always like, Hey, what if Gibson called you right now and said, come fix the ship? Would you go? And yeah, I'd go. <laughs> that's they wouldn't yeah. like me, they're, but I'd totally go. <laughs> their Firebirds would all start looking different. They, they Surprise, Firebird better. 3.0. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh man, that's Bring awesome. Back Firebird X. That was the best yeah. thing you oh, guys God. had. Yeah. So um, I want to hit some other questions here. Yeah. Um, sorry, that was very long winded. No, no, that's fine. It's great. Um, sort of. This is two questions, but I'm going to sort of roll them into one. Um, have you had any really odd requests when building a guitar? The asterisk on that for me is, is there anything you've had to say no to? And yeah. slash, what is the coolest extra that somebody's yeah, it was a asked for? He already explained yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So like, um, I guess in the current, for the current format, like right. someone come in like, I want this and that. And you're like, I'm not doing that. That doesn't yeah, work because I, of this reason. I definitely have. I've, I've had to say no when people, I get a lot of requests for a non-reverse Firebird. And I've done, mm. been, I've been down this road once with one. I'm not doing it again. Uh, also, Daylighter was kind of our non-reverse Firebird. Like a Daylighter Express was, I mean, it was Jazzmaster shape, which have really, let's be clear, Fender threw a hiss fit when Gibson made the original Firebird and said that's too close to Jazzmaster, which yeah. seems odd. And then they flipped it around and made it a Jazzmaster and whatever. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't want to do that. Most of them, the big no's are like, hey, I'm not going to build a Telecaster. No, I'm not going to. You know, I've I, I've done enough of that stuff. I'm gonna. I'm not. I'm not going to do somebody else's mm-hmm. design. You know, well, I, like, like I've done a few other stuff in your lineup though, like the Corona, you can get with a Tele style bridge, and that is yep. like yep, exactly. Tele adjacent, and it will achieve that sort of thing for that sort of player. But it's also, a, it's a better, it's a totally it's a better Telecaster, totally original design too. So it's, yep. you're kind of getting the best of many worlds with that. So yeah, um, it, yeah, I I think uh, the big ones for me is I don't do real custom inlay work. Like I'm not, it's just not my strong. Like I, I don't mm-hmm. do. Like our inlays are very simple for a reason. I'm I'm gonna do one. I have, a, I have a very good customer who wants me to put like letters on his fretboard. Oh, and and yeah. normally that that's like right at my upper limit because at least they're kind of blocky. Like the people who do like <laughs> like you know uh, like Ron Thorne or like any of these people who yeah. like specialize in inlay work. That's not our thing at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't have that skill set. Um, I haven't had to do a Floyd Rose yet. I've been pretty good about dodging that bullet. Um, it may happen eventually. I've got <laughs> you heard it here first, strat- everybody. Ask for Floyd Rose guitars. <laughs> it, well, it's been asked, and I've said no. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I get a lot of that. I get, like, I get oddly a lot of requests for semi-hollow banshees, and I have to remind people that's like the worst idea you could have uh, because now it, it would probably be start to dive again. Yeah. yeah, it would flip. The one I should have said no on. Uh, and I did actually say no. Oh, this is kind of a good story. Um, so Scott Holiday texts me one night, and and I love Scott. Scott's also been trying to find ways to push the boundaries on what I'm willing to do, and it's a little exhausting. He actually but it's, sent this question in. Yeah, oh, good, good. Uh, he texts me, and he goes, hey, man, uh, you know, this is how it's always every, – every guitar of Scott's is exactly the same story. Hey man, we're about to go out on a tour, and I just realized that I have to use this one guitar on this. Uh, I use it on two different songs, um, but it's in two different tunings. Can you make me something in you know some impossible time frame? You know, I'm like, ah. But this text was, uh, hey man, uh, I just realized that we're going out on the road in a little bit, and I have two songs that I play the twelve string on, and they're in different tunings. 
can you make me a super chief double neck? Uh, and so my reply was <laughs> me screen recording me blocking his phone number and sent that back to him. Uh, and then I thought about it for a and little yet, bit and I was like, yeah, I was like, ah, and yet, yeah, here uh, we go. Yeah. Like if you, yeah. Yeah. That's the story. Yeah. The yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and like that so one was that this must be like an adventure in how the hell am i gonna do this and oh yeah i i mean there it looks amazing like I, if you presented this to me i'd be like this guy knows how to make a double neck like full stop oh, man. i would not not it, have asked any questions <laughs> it's my first double neck my first semi hollow double neck obviously my first 12 string uh there was a lot going on with that guitar that guitar is massive it is yeah because and, and it's kind of one of those things like Scott and I have this little tug of war because I am a very practical person. I like to err to the side of practical, you know, and I kept wondering, like, dude, this thing is going to be huge. Yeah, yeah, I like, really hate double necks that are squished down. I'm like, yeah, but they're squished down because they're going to be huge. Like the only guitar oh that actually does look correct as a double neck is an SG double neck because it's kind oh. of the right. Is it so it's small to small. begin with? Yeah, yeah so it kind of works. But this thing is like 19 and a half or 20 inches across the bow. Like it is massive. That's um, a big guitar. And then, you know, I'm trying to design the 12 string headstock and I don't like anything. Yeah, it's and like I don't the like slotted anything. head design, uh-huh. which is beautiful. Scott, Scott was like, what if we did like a Rickenbacker? And I'm like, oh, fuck you. Why'd you uh, have to say that? Is, yeah, <laughs> so I laid it out, and then, you know, it's like, well, what if it has the curves from the other headstock? And I'm like, but then Stop, none of the just, tuners will fit. Yeah. And and so I had to figure all that out, like all of it. Uh, That's insane. Yeah, so much in, in the end, the guitar is incredible. It, it, it's unreal. So I, I did two of them um, because I the body was actually not all that difficult. More of the effort went into the 12-string headstock and praying that, when I put it all together, it didn't fold in half Was or, it you know, like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it hopefully worked. Uh, Collapsed so into I a black a, hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I built a second body at the same time, just in case. Uh, and so <laughs> the first one worked out. I got the second one done. I took it to Nam. Scott saw it. He tried to get it. And then I told him the price tag and he's like, well, I'm like, you already got yours. This one has to pay for yours. Mm. Um, and so, <laughs> and, and I, I'm like, it's, two guitars technically, but it's really three guitars worth the effort in the one guitar. And yeah. super cheap's like 45, 4,700 bucks to start. So times that by three and we'll be in the ballpark for what this is going to be. Yeah. Uh, and Not so to that, mention that the, the pain in the ass factor, right? Like yeah. there's the extra, like this was just a I'm lot indeed. of work. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm never yeah. going to do another one. Like I, it's just, you know, so, uh, well, I hope I'm never going to do another one. I, there's Scott's already rumbling about another one and that's, I haven't answered yet. Uh, <laughs> but the other one would be would be baritone and regular, and that actually oh won't be God. nearly as difficult. Uh, that that'll be fine. So because uh, um, actually, I'm doing a baritone super chief for Scott literally right today. I saw that uh, post. That was very cool yeah. looking. Yeah. Oh, by the yeah, way, folks, if you're not following Cower Guitars on Instagram, you're fucking up. So go fix that. Um, it's really really where we do all everything. It's, <laughs> I love it. I love guitar Instagram these days. So, um, have you found any combinations, whether it be paint or parts or hardware or whatever, um, that has worked really well that has surprised you, such as you know, or, or pickup the, combinations, whatever? Sure. So all of our set necks are built Spanish mahogany, Spanish mahogany necks, which is our renaming of Spanish cedar, which is the actual trade name for it. Spanish cedar is not Spanish or cedar. 
it's South American mahogany, cousin of Honduran mahogany. It's got the okay. worst name ever. So we universally renamed yeah. it because I got tired of explaining that it's mahogany. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's we. I got turned on to that by Yuho Rakongas. He's a Swedish builder who I love. Uh, pretty early on, that became the de facto sound. That is our thing. Like that. That is. Uh, um, that is the sound for Banshee and Star, all the set deck stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially like Banshee, it like Powertrons and and P90s and stuff. They just pair, pair so well with it. Uh, Wenge for our fretboards that started as because before I was doing this as a business, or just kind of early early days, um, I had a there's one Banshee base. I made it for a friend that he mm. did all the finishing and assembly, and he wanted a Wenge fretboard. And at the time, you couldn't buy a Wenge base length fretboard blank. So I had to buy an eight foot stick. Um, and I was really mad about it. Um, and then he's like, oh, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. And I was like, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I don't know how much swearing I'm allowed to do. Oh, let it fly. That was the, Quite a bit. Okay, good. That was the only, that was the only appropriate reply. To, but it, he was right. I loved it. And it worked. It's my favorite fretboard wood. I tried Brazilian and Palo and Indian and all these other ones. I love Wenge. And then when the restrictions hit about exporting from the country, we were clear sailing. There was no restrictions for us. I really don't mm. like working with endangered woods if I can. Right. Um, the recent surprise for me is uh, – so I'm not an Ash Telecaster guy. I don't really like a classic – Don't, I don't look like in that, that corner. I've got one. <laughs> I, yeah, up. no, I, I know, and I get it. You know, like I know why people like it. I don't like that like black guard, real twangy telly thing. Like I like mm. – like, so for me, like I don't mind an Ash Tully with like a Lawler J Street and a humbucker in the next something with a little bit more heat. That's fine. Uh, the surprise, though, and we've just started doing these, is the all Ash thin line Coronas are killer. They sound so freaking good. I, I really don't need another Corona, uh, but I might need another Corona. Like I, I <laughs> if I didn't have two guitars going for myself right now. Um, I would probably add a Corona Thin Line to the mix, um, which is odd because I never get to play guitar anymore. So, uh, oh, interesting. But yeah. it's yeah, it's it's killer. <laughs> so that that one really surprised me. And then inverse of that, I grew, I grew up playing Strats. Um, I had a um, yeah, that's a that's a, a Corona Thin Line. That one has a maple top, but uh, it's beautiful. Um, same same thing. Yeah, and that surprised uh, I, I me because. The way we do Corona, it's got such a big bathtub route. There's not a lot left to kind of hollow out on that guitar um, okay. in the grand scheme of things, but it ended up being a drastically different sounding guitar done this way. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, awesome. I, I love Sweet. Coronas. There's And there's a whole backstory I, there. But yeah. I, I like we, the design. I like that deep, deep cutaway. I think it, it yeah. just, it's a good look. It, I, I, if I was going to buy a cower today, it'd either be a Banshee or a Corona for sure. Or both. Yeah. Let's do both. Yeah. <laughs> you cover both faces with that. But uh, yeah. that's been a good combo. Uh, ironically, the Electroliner, which is not on the website yet, it's the Stratty model that I've been kind of messing with for mm-hmm. a couple years that I'm finally happy with. Uh, the Ash ones of those are just great sounding. Uh, and I never... Same boat. I never grew up like I. I played a. My dad played guitar, so I had. A, I grew up with a real nice. I know it sounds weird, but a real nice '74 Strat. That's always been a real killer. Um, I had a really mm-hmm. great Alder made in Japan reissue, '56 reissue that I played from when oh. I was like 15 on. I, I've had a lot really of older. Cool. Yeah, I've had a lot of older Strats, and I never really played an, an Ash one that I liked. Um, but I think we found the right neck wood and pickup combo 
that is just flooring me for electroliner. Um, so okay. I, I really like those ones. Um, so that'll be, I think our, would have been our NAM January release. I think we're going to, mm-hmm. I've got a stack of them going right now. So I'm excited about those. Awesome. Uh, so let's see. I think those are all the questions from Carson. Uh, got a couple of questions from <laughs> Patreon supporter Eric Garibaldi. Also, forty known as minutes. Patrick I dedicated to one guy. Sorry. That's okay. No, no, you're good. This is great. No, I'm, not, I'm, not Patrick Stewart. Right now, it's Cindy Clawford. Oh, sorry, Cindy Clawford, not Patrick Stewart. My, he my apologies. <laughs> um, this is sort of a business question. How do you focus on getting your guitars into the hands of as many players as possible, and like? landing on the pricing balance and the feature sure. balance and like all of that stuff. Cause these guitars in this range, they're expensive. Like they're not they for like just sort of weekend players and stuff. So like, what is yep. the, the, what is the thing there basically? So artists, we've been very fortunate. Uh, the first guy who ever played my stuff was a blues guitar player named Michael Burks. And he was, he got an early, like first 30 guitars of mine, uh, guitar. Wow. Um, you know, and, and, uh, I approached him, I went through, like, I found his management email link, uh, on his website and was like, Hey, he's coming through town. I'd love to see if he'd like something. Um, that happened. Scott holiday was kind of a similar story. I had a customer email me the pressure and time video. And he's like, Hey man, this guy plays jazz masters and firebirds. You should hit mm. Google. It. I was trying to find a way to get in touch with them. And he had done an interview with my buddies at Euphoria. So I emailed Blake and Blake put us in touch. And then it turned out Scott and I had already talked. He bought the blue. F- <laughs> uh, like, like kind of a couple years before rival sons became a thing. So like, uh, so that one was kind of simpatico and we, and we, as much as I bitch about Scott, we're really genuinely pretty great friends um, ever since. And then there's things like, uh, you know, Walter was, you know, he was a friend of a friend, you know, because we, I live in Sacramento. Sacramento's not like the big music hub of California. Like we're, Sacramento's claim to fame is we're two hours from the beach and we're two hours from Tahoe and that's it. Like, you know, we're, we're, yeah. we're in the middle. Uh, we're the drive through town, uh, you know. Uh, so we don't have, like, if I was in LA or Nashville, it might be a different story. But, you know, a lot of this has just been, a being around for so long, be showing up constantly guitar mm-hmm. shows, whatever. And, but a lot of it's word of mouth. Like my absolute favorite story like this is, uh, we got an, so I have, so we do dealers, but we also do like custom direct ordering through our website. And it's mm-hmm. pretty rare that I get a direct order. you know, Hey, you know, this order just came in through the website. Cool. Print it out. Put a, you know, assign it to a body blank, go to work on it. Um, a few months later, we put a guitar up on reverb that I had just kind of built for fun. And it sold like within 20 minutes. And the guy who bought it, it's like, Oh, Hey man, I got that order that, that Blackwood on order. Like, Oh, okay. God, I hope you like this one. Cause if you don't like this one, I'm going to lose two guitars on order. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we shipped it out, you know, and like, uh, two weeks later, all of a sudden my phone blows up. I'm getting text messages and messages through Instagram and all these things. And they all say, why didn't you tell me Tom Dumont plays your guitars? And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Who the fuck is Tom Dumont? And like, I get a message and, and it's, you know, it's an Instagram post and it's Tom Dumont out on tour with dream car, which is everybody from no doubt, but Davey havoc instead. 
Uh, it's like their eighties throwback band. And I was awesome. like, <laughs> I didn't know we, I like, I didn't, I, I never once got an email. I'm Tom Dumont from no doubt. Give me a deal. Nothing like, didn't just, think just water, what, just a guy ordering okay, a guitar. Yeah, wait, then sub question though, then you must, that email does come sometimes. Well, <laughs> you, you, all the time. That's a whole, so, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. So but, people uh, <laughs> who have lots of money ask for deals. Okay. I'm going to yeah. email you tomorrow. I, I'm Derek from the yeah, Tone Control. I, I, Listen up. <laughs> I never got any message like that from yeah. And so when the other guitar was done, yeah, because I was kind of embarrassed. I, honestly, I was more embarrassed that I didn't know a, that it was that Tom Dumont. Uh, yeah. but like, it's not like his email is like, no doubt. T. Dumont at no doubt.com. You know, yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> Tom Dumont at no doubt. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, so it's like, you know, I didn't think about it. And so I sent him a message when the second guitar was done because it ran late. It was, it was an aged finish and we don't do that in house. And it just was one of those things that, you know, I, I warned him up yeah. front, you know, and I was like, Hey man, I really appreciate you playing our stuff. And I feel really bad that this took so long. I'm going to give you a bit of a deal. Uh, you know, uh, just because, and, and I got an email back immediately. You're going to send me the bill at full price. I know how hard it is to make this work for a living. And, and I really appreciate it. I love my other guitar. Blah, 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 guy. Blah. He's, he is the nicest dude on the planet. I, we, we got to hang out when they came through town uh, with dream car. He is so sweet. I, I still get a periodic email from even though they're not doing anything. You know, Hey, I just love these guitars. And I have You'd a love bunch to hear of people like, wow. yeah, you know, I, I have, I have a no assholes policy. And so the people who play our stuff, we like, we don't give stuff away. Um, yeah. you know, I can't afford to, and it doesn't do us any good business wise to do that. Like, mm. you know, people who pay for our gear are a much better endorsement than the dude who just got a free guitar. And, you know, there's a builder right now. Uh, somebody was talking about recently on the gear page and I was looking at their website and that's clearly their model. They just found every single person they could think of. They gave them a guitar, made it a signature model. Uh, air mm. quotes, and they're trying to make, and that's just not my thing. Like, I don't like it. it it's kind of gross. Well, I it's think. a little disingenuous. Do signature it. models. Yeah, yeah. Th- those those players, like it, you gave it to them, so it it's, yeah. it has no value. You know. Yeah, I well, mean, it's I, a it's a disingenuous I approach. I do give some guitars away, besides the charity stuff. I do give mm. stuff that we're either futzing out new designs with to people who we already have good relationships with. Uh, you know, mm. Dennis Casey from Flogging Molly is one of those guys. Um, you know, or sometimes I have to break in a new painter, you know, or a new person. And sometimes we get something that's a perfectly great guitar. That's just not going to pass muster for retail sales. Mm. That that's the kind of stuff that like, you know, I'll reach out like, Hey, I got this. If you cover the hardware, it's yours, uh, to a friend, you know, I'd rather do that. Um, so so there's there's people like that, you know, but generally, you know, at least starting off, everybody pays, uh, you know, and then for pricing, pricing's hard and and we're probably overdue for a pretty good price hike, but I don't really want to do it. I'm trying to fight it off, but you have to be high enough priced for people to take you seriously. First of all, yes, you yes. have to be high enough priced to survive. And whatever that number you think it is, it's probably four times higher than that number, uh, you know, to, to make it work. But the other thing I, I've also found is kind of relates to the serious thing, but so we had a brand called Titan guitars, Titan, was yes. actually where Corona comes from. And that was our attempt to make a guitar for less than 1500 bucks. That was completely made in California. Still had killer parts and hardware. Uh, it was just a very simple version of Corona. Um, you know, and I knew it would fail. I knew it would, but we did it anyway. We did about 250 of them and then no one wanted one. 
in the world. That was it. Like that well, was Eric it just, in the chat definitely wants one. He was telling me earlier yeah. today he'd buy a Titan tomorrow if gotten the opportunity. Oh, they're, they're, so. the, the fact that they are hard to find, it makes me very happy that they, they are not, that they, they are, when they pop up for sale used, they are at almost full value still. So that, that, and I that's saw kind one, of always been. I saw one in an RJ Ronquillo video yesterday. Yep. Yep. I, I love was like, oh, look at that. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's got that one. Um, but yeah, and so the reality is if $1,500 is your budget, I'm not going to convince you not to buy a, a decent Fender or a bottom level Gibson. Like there, yeah. <laughs> my name is not, that is your, that is what you want us. That that's the arc everybody has to go through. Right. I, mm-hmm. I did it. Everybody does it. When you get above a certain number and that number varies based on what you make for us, it's about three grand. Now you've got customers who have been through that, that rodeo. They've had the, the higher end fender, the higher end Gibson, um, you know, or, or you're alongside of their higher end fender or Gibson. Now they're starting mm-hmm. to look for something that is either better or maybe not necessarily going to show up, uh, you know, four times over at the blues jam night that you're going to have <laughs> the only one. Um, and, and, and there's a $3,000 at Cower can get you a very different thing than $3,000 at Gibson, right? Yeah. It, it yep. can, there is a, an attention to detail that the small businesses are able to offer and able to yeah. afford that, yeah. you know, Gibson you and Fender just, they just can't. It's an economy of scale problem at that point. Like it's, yeah. it's sheer numbers at, at, at for well, some part like, of it. But people that complain about Banshee's price, they're like, well, I could buy a Gibson Firebird for 1400 bucks. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but you you're not really comparing it against <laughs> the right thing. A $3,800 Banshee, let's just say right in the middle, that's much more on par with the custom shop. I mean, better, but let's let's compare apples to apples. A yeah. custom shop historic Firebird is seven grand or <laughs> right. six grand. And you that's know. when they're competing quality wise with what you're yeah. producing. Well, yeah. yes, we'll we'll be polite. That's, say what, that's, they're, it's, fair, it's what they're yeah. aiming at. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's the best they yeah, can and, do. Yeah, and so you know, it's it's one of those things. I had a customer who I was kind of worried about. This guy, he's a lefty. Uh, he's a big guitar buyer. He ordered two of ours. The, the couple recent lefties that we posted were his. And so he called me last week. He just got them. And he's like, I don't, you know, I own all these custom shop Gibsons. I'm first name faces with the custom shop guys. I own this and I own that. And I'm not saying this to toot my own horn, but he goes, why does yours blow them all away? And I didn't have an answer because I don't know why they would or should. Like at that rate, that yeah, at, at custom yeah. shop rate, it makes you wonder, right? Yeah, and, I, you know, I yeah. I know we do a really nice job, and like I have my tricks and stuff, and so I was like, oh, you know, it's a team effort. Maybe it's these strings that you haven't tried or whatever. And I'm like, hey, you <laughs> know, it's this five dollar part that's different. Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it, it shouldn't yeah. be that much better than the, you know what the best Gibson could do or the best some other company could do, and it's not because I. I can. I, I certainly know there are plenty of brands that I'm friends with that blow my stuff out of the water. Still, it bl- and it bugs me. Um, but like, yeah, well, I think it, there's, it a, was a, there's nice a quality compliment. a quality control thing too. Like Gibson sending yeah. stuff out of the door that they should not be sending out the door. No. So I have no. a Les Paul Even and for custom shop. Yeah, I, mine is not custom shop. It's it's a traditional, right? So it's yeah. very middle of the road. There's a flat spot on the back of the neck. Sure. <laughs> right? like, I, I paid a lot of money, and I do. It's a great guitar. It's it's a good one. I like it a lot. Sounds awesome. Always wanted one, blah, blah, blah. But there's a flat spot on the back of the neck. Like, how does that get out the door? You know, at, at this yeah. like company like Gibson, that they hold themselves way up here in such high esteem. 
Yeah. There's a flat spot on the neck. <laughs> the funny thing is, I will give Gibson a little defense here. I, I have had guitars that I thought were flawless, and I've had customers that were unhappy with them. And I have had guitars that went out the door that I knew there were a few little, usually it's just fit and finish stuff, you know, that yeah. I wanted to do. But at a certain point, I've learned that you can definitely uh, start having hitting a point of diminishing returns trying to fix something, and you just have to kind of go, that's good. That's as good as it's going to get. Um, you know, I mean, I've built 1200 cowers, like it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've, and those people loved those guitars. I was sweating them. Honestly, the lefty guy was kind of sweating cause I knew what his collection was and, and loved it. So sometimes you just kind of have to go, well, we can spend a bunch of time and effort to not make this really any better, or we can just hope the right person ends up with it who doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's a bad, a bad model, but when you're doing 500 guitars a day, that tends to be the mindset. And even me, you know, at four guitars a week, sometimes that has to be, there's a certain, you know, I've got one right now that's coming back to us because it shipped to Singapore and then it sold and went to Canada and Mm -hmm. something happened with, I I don't know what happened, but the finish cracked at the, the, the joint on a Banshee, which is a notoriously difficult spot. And I'm like, it's fucking embarrassing, but the best I can do is give you a return label and we will cover it. We will absolutely Mm -hmm. fix that. We, if we have to refinish or replace, I will take care of it. But it's embarrassing that it happened to me. Uh, well, but you I mean, know, it, it just right. But it's it's the response <laughs> to it is is it is what matters, well, and like that yeah, integrity. Yeah. There's so many. T- I mean, that's what people will talk about. Ultimately, is is what's yeah. going to happen when something goes wrong. Um, the funny uh, thing is, absolutely. sorry, not to cut you off. No. I, I, I want to come back to that, but the people who always complained the most, always, this really, it were the people at the bottom of the pricing spectrum. On uh, what they oh. bought, so anytime <laughs> which we means did they're two, they're right in there is is squeaking in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the anytime we did anything that was below twenty six hundred, especially, those were always notoriously the worst customers I have ever had. Just the worst. This exact and, conversation and, was just going on, like in I, I'm a audio engineer. Is my like I'm very much not that much a guitar player anymore, but sure. um, so my like daily work and stuff. So in people in my industry, this was the conversation that was going on is like, uh, somebody, some people, you know, make that comment, like the expensive client is actually the one with the lower budget. And, and then they, somebody put that like on Twitter or Instagram or something and was sort of getting a lot of crap for it. And it's like, well, no, no, no. I, I mean, there's nuance to what you have to understand about that comment, but it's totally true in that way. Yeah. In that, it, uh, well, it, it goes back to like, you know, the customer that says, no, 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 don't give me a deal. I know what I'm paying for and I'm doing mm-hmm. it yeah. on purpose. Yeah. You know, the, the, the low end stuff, not low end, the lower price stuff for me yeah. and the dude who grinds you constantly on the price are always, I, I, I don't respond yeah. to that. I will give you what I think is a fair deal. You get one try on that. If you don't like it, I'm out like that. That's. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I as that relates to I'd rather give a guitar to free to a kid than to be ground to death on the price. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, but I, so I just I notoriously had those problems. Like, and and I, some of it would be like you would have the people who would try to game the system of like, you know, we don't take returns unless we decide that there's a major warranty return issue. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we have a right to fix it first. You know, and you'd find people like, oh, there's a spec on the finish. I want to set it back, want my money back. And I'm like, no, what you really want to do is go buy something else and own it for three days, show it to your friends, and then go <laughs> turn yeah, that back. Like, yeah. Treat it like Amazon. And, and the thing yeah. is, 
my industry is not that big. We all talk. So there are people we mm. all collectively know who are notorious <laughs> for this shit. They're all talking uh, shit about you bad customers. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, we definitely do. Uh, you know, there, there's a the support group for the uh yeah, phone tree group, I think, or whatever. Uh, so maybe great. it's all facts based at this point. I don't know which, but <laughs> yeah. start a Discord, start a support uh, yeah, guitar builder support really Discord. That's awesome. <laughs> um, okay, so we're let. I'm going to interrupt, and we are yes. going to talk about our sponsor and what's going to happen. And if you're new to the show, like a few people here in chat, uh, you're about to exp- <laughs> you're about to know what we've been talking about all the time. So actually, before we get into this, oh. real quick, Doug, after this break. I want a, a one word answer on what's your favorite overdrive pedal. That's the follow-up question from, from Eric. Just a quick hit, hit me yep. with it after the break. Okay. That's all. Okay. <laughs> um, so we're going to, I'm, we're going to play the pedal genie ad and the chat is going to uh, fill the chat with uh, butt gifts. They, they fucking better. They fucking better. <laughs> so uh, anyway, here we go. Pedal Genie is like the Netflix of guitar pedals. Rent any pedal you want for as long as you want, for one low monthly price. Shipping is included and there are no late fees or time limits. With over 1,500 pedals to try from nearly 100 different manufacturers, Pedal Genie definitely has the gear you want to try. Subscriptions start with Flex at just $19.95 a month. Try out one pedal at a time for as long as you want. Send it back when you're ready for the next one. For only $39.95 a month, the standard subscription includes shipping. So you could have a different pedal every few days. If one isn't enough for you, Pedal Genie Pro gets you three pedals at a time for only $64.95 a month. Shipping included. There's a subscription for everyone and best of all, your first month is free. If you find the pedal of your dreams, the one you just have to keep Pedal Genie will offer you a buyout option. Prices vary with the length of your membership and the type of pedal, but you'll definitely get an awesome price for the pedal in your hand. So head to pedalgenie.com to fill up your wish list with pedals and they'll send out your first pedal ASAP. Pedal Genie, all your pedal wishes granted. <laughs> How could that be real? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, okay, goodness. Uh, so, uh, Derek, you said you had some, you had a story or something you wanted to tack on to Pedal Genie. Oh, yeah. So, to, yeah. So, I, a few days ago, a few, a few weeks ago, because time is meaningless now, I was like, <laughs> I kind of want to get a fuzz pedal. So, I started looking around and, and uh, I landed on the Keeley Fuzz Bender. And I was like, I think this might be the one I want to check out. You know, they're pretty affordable, used, they're really affordable. Um, yeah. So I added it to my Pedal Genie wish list. And I, I still had something else here at the time. So it was like in between in transit and stuff. A few days go by and I was like, I found a really good deal on a Fuzzbender on Reverb. So I bought it. Just sort of impulse. Happy birthday to me. And my birthday is literally tomorrow. Oh. So it was like, yeah. Happy birthday. Like, Happy birthday, Derek. Thank tomorrow. you. Yeah. Thank you. The big three, four. Um, so, you know, cool. It's just impulse by a pedal. That's fun. Comes in, sounds great. Love it. Put it on the pedal board. The next day, Pedal Genie sends me an email that they're sending me the fuzz bender. <laughs> <laughs> so I, for, I forgot to take it off my list um, right after ordering it, of course. So I had two in the house for a short time. I sent the Pedal Genie one back immediately. So what I'm going to do is when the next pedal comes in, which is going to be the Chase Bliss Audio Dark World, I'm going to demo that and the Fuzzbender in the same stream and in the same demo. Ah, there we go. So um, we'll keep an eye out for that. We'll be live streaming the demo on YouTube, of course. See, what am and, I getting? Um, I'll, uh, I haven't picked a day yet because things are a little crazy with uh, with school and blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, there'll be a post in Discord and stuff when that's coming. On its way to me, so I'll have it for next episode, the Super Ball Kinetic Modulated Delay from Alexander Pedals. 
Oh, yeah. Alexander Pedals is cool stuff. Cool. You've had some of theirs. I'm sure I have. I'm sure I have. Um, okay. So, so thanks, Pedal Genie, a sponsor since almost the very beginning, as we learned mm-hmm. today. Uh, more on that next episode. Okay. So, Doug, the one, one word, word answer. answer. Favorite overdrive pedal. Here we go. Two words. Greer Ghetto Stomp. Oh. Okay, that's that's one. My, that's one. It's a pedal. So yeah, okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, pedal. One pedal. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. I love okay. that thing. It's my, cool. my favorite. Um, I wanna, I'm going to drop a, a meme in the chat that happened. Oh, yeah, this literally it. happened today. Let's uh, go. <laughs> it, it relates to our artist conversation. All right, here we go. Uh, upload. Uh, this literally happened. Oh, my today. God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. That's an, um, that is hilarious. How this guy... I- this guy is trolling this in you so thing. hard. All right, hold on. I can do this. I would freak uh, out got, one time. Dude, this happened to me. I got real excited. for. I, I was like, I looked at my watch and I went, What? I know this is going to be <laughs> some kid for sure. But damn it, this is really good. <laughs> Joe Walsh, legendary guitarist of the Eagles, wants to send you a message. Send you a message. It's just some schmuck named Joe Walsh. <laughs> Yeah, it, was a, it went right to the group shop group chat. Just, uh, oh my yeah. God. That's so funny. But that happened to me once. I On Twitter, somebody with the the handle David Gilmore liked one of my oh. tweets. And I was like, oh, my God. And it was a guitar thing that I mentioned. And I was like, David Gilmore? He liked my tweet? And it's just like some clown yeah. using the name. Yeah. My whole we, claim we, to uh, fame, though, my whole claim to fame is that Zach Wilde follows me on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> We uh, <laughs> no idea why we make these we make these guitar stand things and we sell oh, yeah. one we sell them on Etsy we do we sell them a lot of but Etsy's kind of our, our other wheelhouse for them surprisingly and we got an order from Jeff Garland and I'm like <laughs> no one please no one bust my bubble I want this to be the Jeff Garland mm-hmm. uh, like I don't care don't don't prove me wrong like I, I'm gonna hold that one as my yeah it's it's know. more fun. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was him. It was real nice house in the Hollywood Hills on uh, Google Maps. So <laughs> these um these guitar stands are super rad. I'm going to drop a link in the Thank chat. Um, while we were doing the ad, somebody um somebody threw. I got to scroll past all the butts to get to the question. Hang on, uh, Control Freak it. in the chat. He's asking. Uh, he says, "I'm a huge Cower fan. Can we talk a bit about roasted woods? I love the aesthetic, yeah. but I've, I've also heard uh, it can stabilize the guitar with less moisture. Uh, also, he goes on to say, I play my guitar with my volume knob rolled back, and I use my overdrive to boost it, um, boost it back, which gives headroom. Essentially, my volume knob is almost a tone control itself. Uh, I lost my spot because I was finding the bell. Is there a mod or even an additional <laughs> pot to be used instead of this so I can have both a true volume uh, in this rollback headroom thing? I know this is probably super confusing. So let's do this in two parts, I guess, the, the roasted okay. wood thing. Um, yeah, I, I really like it. Uh, I was a little skeptical at first. Mm-hmm. We, we uh, okay, so I started, so we do, we do Coronas and Ash and Thermal Pine. Uh, I know the future for Ash. I know the way the road's going for that. I already know how difficult time we're having getting it, uh, which is why we're doing a lot of thin lines right now because a lot of it's not great weight-wise. Um, so I wanted to have an option, and the thermal pine kind of came up. It, you know, the guy who does it is only 70 miles from me, uh, and I fell in love with it. I absolutely love thermal pine. Uh, it's To me, that's why – okay. I don't like that Blackguard 
corona or you know telly thing the pine version it fattens the mids it just takes that sharpness off i and it weighs nothing i love it i i actually my corona is the olive green one that's on the website i kept it i just wouldn't take it back to the shop after the, the, <laughs> the photos on it like and i have a kr1 with the exact mm-hmm. same pickup layout like i don't need two of them i needed that guitar mm-hmm. uh it's killer and then the roasted maple we gave it a try uh one i just like the color of it and, oh, and yeah you know, when we were doing, as we were kind of winding down Titan, one of the ways that we thought about maybe saving a little effort and time was to not have to tint the necks, mm-hmm. um, the maple necks. It was, if we switched to roasted, we wouldn't have to do anything. Um, but I do find that it's, I love, okay, cynical me knows that everybody in my industry likes using it, especially the big guys, because you don't have to worry about the moisture content. It is right. as dry as it will ever, 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 ever be. So the day it shows up in your shop, you can make a neck out of it. It ain't going to move. It's going to be what it's going to be. I do find it to be a little bit more brittle. You have to be a little careful. Um, you know, and that makes sense because you've taken, you know, you've crystallized the, you know, sap and every, you know, there's no mo- nothing. So it's, it's definitely a little, it's not like regular maple in that regard. Um, you know, so you have to be a little bit more careful about screws and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the pine's not an issue. The pine's so freaking soft. soft. Um, but yeah, so we started doing it and I just love it. I love the way it looks. Uh, consistently, these are the best sounding versions of those guitars we've ever built. And I, and I don't know that I can hundred percent contribute that to the roasted. Uh, I also am in a minority camp of Luthiers, um, who I got fancy there. I think <laughs> we spend way too much time over hyping the body woods and ignoring the necks. Okay. That I, I, have, think I have a, a adjacent question to this. Yeah, um, I, so like Coronas with the roasted maple neck, ash and pine definitely sound different. They more behave different than sound different in some regards. Um, the the way I've always described it is the body and the pickups are kind of what you say, and the neck is how you say it. Um, and so, okay. and the fretboard is the least important part of the whole equation. Like it, uh-huh. it, it makes another follow up no, question I have. <laughs> Yeah, it makes almost no difference (laughs) in in my experience. Uh, But so, you know, so I haven't really done a Corona now with a regular maple neck and a roasted neck to play those side by side. But everything I've put a roasted neck in, I've been real happy with so far. So, yeah, I have a roasted neck on a Telecaster and it's it's great. It's such a different thing. Yeah, I love I mean, it's, you know, for me, again, I like the production aspect of knowing that it's, you know, it's. You know, especially with the Plex now, we can see what these things are doing. And, you know, we've only been doing the Roasted Necks for about a year and a half. So I'll be curious to see 10 years from now, you know, or mm. five years from now when they come in, I can bring up the original scan and I can put it on there. Or, I, you know, and, and we're, be, we're starting to be able to do that with Cowers now that we've had the Plex. You know, we have Cowers that come in and they're 10 or 12 years old. And I have some that are that old. Um, so I can see kind of our, how things yeah. have improved. That's um, cool. But those Necks have come out. So we, the way we make them, um, you know, they get, they go in the plec, you know, they're obviously just after being fret pressed in all that stuff's all done and boy, they're coming out good. They don't require a lot of, a lot of work off on the plec. Uh, nice. you know, they don't, and we, we all, this is where we're also a little different. We fret before we carve the neck. A lot of companies and a lot of builders think that's heresy. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't, uh, and I have the scans to prove it, that it's fine. Um, cause we've definitely scanned the neck before and after carving and it doesn't, you know, they move a little bit, but they don't move in an mm-hmm. unpredictable fashion. Uh, you know, and so 
you know, these things come off and, and a lot of them are coming out where we take, you know, with the Plex, I can take as little as like three thousandths of a millimeter off that fret. Like I can take, <laughs> you know, when we were you, a crowning file by hand can't take that little. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I can scan these next in a resolution and see, oh no, they're doing real well. Uh-huh. Um, and again, the practical part of me likes, I want that thing to be stable and I want it to be, I don't want it to twist. I don't want it to develop an issue down the road because the moisture content was a little higher than we, you know, uh-huh. could anticipate or, you know, that they're going to dry out and then rehumidify, uh, uh-huh. and go both way, you know, so it, you know, it works out really well. I really like it. Nice. Um, So my adjacent question was, I heard on another guitar podcast recently, um, they they were talking about myths in guitar building and Mm -hmm. and in guitar world and stuff. And the suggestion at that point was that maple and rosewood fingerboards make no difference, sonically speaking, and it's a cosmetic thing primarily. And I was curious, it sounds like you agree, but I'm also curious if what your thoughts are on other guitar building, guitar construction myths. Sure. I find very little difference. Not that there isn't some. So mm-hmm. the way I approach a fretboard now is I want to be I want to machine well that's priority one I want to hold a fret well that's priority two right, well like one A and one B <laughs> I, I want say, to if the second one fails I mean they're they're yeah, yeah they're related so that you know if it doesn't machine well I won't hold a fret well um, I want it to be not endangered if I can help it mm-hmm. um, I want it to be stable I want it to look pretty that's like fifth on the list and then how it sounds is sixth on the list I don't care. I, I only marginally care. Because well, it's, a, it's a very small piece of wood on the grand scheme. Yeah, and and just, you know, people think because you touch it and the strings touch it, that makes it, it doesn't really, I, and I've, I've litmus tested, I've done, you know, again, I've done Brazilian, I've done Indian, I've done Palafaro, I've done Ebony, I've done Wenge, I've done Cocobolo, I've done Maple, I've done Roasted Maple. They all generally sound about the same. More of an issue if they don't hold a fret well, that will sound drastically different, especially mm-hmm. if they get loose and start to develop dead spots. Um, I, I, you know, I want them to be stable through the widest range of conditions possible. Maple has finished. Maple has the edge on that period. And then mm-hmm. Wenge has been real good for us. We know what Wenge does in every climate saved Antarctica, I think at this point, uh, you know, cool. it's the only place I don't think a cow has been. Uh, <laughs> you know, so we know what it does, you know, and, and how to machine it. And it's, it's a little quirky, but, and it's really the quirk is only uh, we don't do any unbound fretboards. They're all bound. Um, and the main reason for that is um, it just lets us do a nicer, cleaner rolled edge. The Wenge kind of grain makes it hard to like, it kind of does this kind of gets wavy in the end grain. Um, so like a, if you want an unbound fretboard, we just bind it in black and it pretty much disappears into it. And it looks oh, like, it's okay. hard, you know, uh, yeah, I yeah. did try one. I've got one experiment going right now. Out of, more out of curiosity, LMI sent us some fretboards to try out that I think is thermo purple heart. I, I think is what it really is. Oh, um, and it's mm. it looks like it is pitch black ebony looking. It is a dead ringer for the best ebony. Um, so the baritone super cheap that I'm actually building for myself right now. We tried that one. Out. I don't. That won't be a fair comparison sonically, but I don't expect it to sound any different. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to see how it fretted and sanded out and stuff as a as an option for. Yeah, again, another in, in, you know non-environmentally impacted uh, you know option. But I, I yeah, like to I hear this I because, like, I always there's this convention that maple is brighter, which may be true for like an entire neck, right? Yep. If you're looking at a large piece of the guitar, um, 
And people, t- I feel like people overlook neck, like you're saying, they overlook neck constructions, even though it is like it, half the guitar. Yeah. It, <laughs> and it's the you part you touch. Change. So when I was building strats, like I, I did this, I built four necks with different fretboards from the same board of maple, same eight foot stick. They all sounded identical. Uh, every single one of them. They all sounded exactly the same. If you built five necks from five different pieces of maple, that you will hear some difference in potentially. Yeah. Uh, if you build a strat neck out of mahogany with a rosewood fretboard, it will be a completely different strat- sounding strat than a maple neck with any fretboard. Totally. Really, at that point. Totally. Yeah. yeah. You know, trust rods, I think, get a little overhyped. Uh, you know, I know, I, again, I err to the side of practicality. We really prefer a double action rod. Um, you know, I'm just not hung up on this, you know, got to be hide glue, got to be a single action model without the condom. Well, it's got to be this and that, you know? Yeah. I mean, whatever. are people claiming <laughs> that, that the trust rod, the trust rod itself has a tonal impact? Cause that I am the, convinced well, is they, bullshit. They do. Claim anything. <laughs> yeah. I, right, I, I mean, Gibson was all in this bullshit about, about glue yeah. types and stuff. And yeah. Like, okay. I, I cannot <laughs> prove that, but I highly doubt it. People you know, like molecularly to argue that accurate shit. plastics. <laughs> yeah, and I think what it does is it gives them perceived value differences on the guitar. But for me, totally. Again, get to the like. That's why I don't judge how people build guitars. If they think the single action rod sounds better, and if the end result is great, I'm not going to argue with them on that. Mm. If the end result is shit, is shit. Period. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter if you used high glue and Brazilian and all the other stuff. It's just it sounds like shit. It sounds like shit. That's right. quantifiable how you get there is kind of not so like mm-hmm. uh, you know i i just don't i don't know i don't get hung up on it too much acoustic guitars and the thing is i think a lot of people transfer what applies to an acoustic to an electric yeah body wood on an acoustic makes a big difference mm-hmm. the body wood is the speaker of that guitar on an electric guitar yeah. it's not it's just not so what you're it's also the same idea of and i i said it earlier uh, you know, this does that, this adds something, this adds mids, this adds bottom end, this adds mm-hmm. nothing adds in a guitar. Guitars and physics are very simple in this regard. Unless you have something active, like an active preamp, physics will not let you put energy in any object beyond that. So when you hit the string, so the string is re- energy. Relatively, like, so if you're hearing yeah. a change, it's... It's the, what you're the really hearing between is, the two sides or something. Yeah. Yeah. You're not hearing an adding of mid ranges. Wood does not add anything. Wood dampens. That's how physics works. So a mm. guitar with lots of mids actually has lots of lo- or less high and low end by comparison. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You got to yeah. think of it yeah. sort of inversely. Yeah. It, yeah. You can't add energy. Wood isn't an innate, you know, it's, it has zero kinetic energy. It cannot add. Uh, yeah. Anything to the equation. You can't add to wood. Yeah. That's yeah. What happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, even when it vibrates, it is vibrating less than the thing going into it is. The strings going, yeah. you know, putting energy into it. That's just how that stuff works. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's much better to think of it that way. So, like for me, pine has a softer top end. I really shouldn't say it adds mids, but that's just the m- mindset we're used to thinking of it. Um, you know, and then really, so then in that regard, obviously the pickups are going to be the big driver. Uh, but you know, that's why I work with basically three companies. You know, our, our goal is in order to be pseudo scientific about this is to try to build guitars that are, I say plus or minus 5%. I really like to be a plus or minus 2%, but if I can get everything yeah. to stack up to be the wood sounds almost the same going in every time the finish is the same, the hardware is the same, you know, the pickups are 
consistently about the same. If I can get that window down to like plus or minus 3%, that's great. Minus 3% is still a good sounding guitar. Great mm-hmm. sounding even. Plus 3% is a mythically magic guitar. That's my Starliner. And I have and, oh, and, yeah, and yeah. Super Chief that I have. But like that, that's one of those guitars for no explicable reason. Every little thing adds up to be just a little better or sweeter than mm. for it. It's hard to describe why, but that's my know, favorite part but, about guitar stuff. Sometimes is that like stuff just inexplicably is great. And and sometimes yep. it's, it's the whole rig. Sometimes it's just the day I've, how many times yep. have you plugged everything and you're like, this sounds awesome today. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, everybody, I'm adding this in post right now because unfortunately right here in the recording, we lost Doug's audio. So there's um, almost 30 minutes of more of episode that we aren't able to use, unfortunately. So only the people who were there live get, got to see that part. Um, but the episode was great and we had so much fun. So I, obviously we weren't going to try to scrap it or anything and we'll save what was here. Um, so that's what's going on. And at this point, we're going to skip to the ending. Damn you, technical difficulties. Thanks to the listeners for listening. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for being here. I had a great time chatting with you. It was an awesome conversation. Um, thank you everybody for episode 200. I'm so happy to celebrate this with everybody here and everybody in the community who's not joining us live tonight. Um, sign up everywhere you can hop in the discord. It's free. Uh, if you want to throw a couple bucks our way, find us on Patreon. It's only two bucks a month to get in here and listen live for every episode. Uh, what else? Uh, we're on the YouTube, right? We're doing the live streams for pedal demos. <laughs> and uh, yep. this episode will of course be on YouTube as well as all your other podcatchers. Uh, Instagram that I don't use enough. Facebook that I may not even use anymore ever. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of all over the place. Yeah, it's, gosh, it's a waste. But um, hell yeah. And we mentioned at the beginning, um, these care packages with stickers and pics and koozies are going to be going out to patrons pretty soon uh, within the month of November. Thanks once again to our patrons. And um, we'll see you next time. I'm going to play the ending screen. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.